0: On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Heikert and Lehman, we're joined by first-round NFL draft pick Kenneth Murray. We talk about his draft experience, what he's doing now to get ready for the season, his college career, and the legacy he hopes to leave at OU. Before Kenneth's interview, we discuss all the positive news in the world of college football, with the NCAA paving the way for college football players to come back to campus, We give an update on a big win for college athletes over the NCAA that you may have missed. After Kenneth Murray's interview, we get to our segments. We wet the beak by looking at some of the betting lines for Peyton Manning and Tiger versus Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson this weekend. We give our winners and losers of the week and finish with keeping it local with an update from the OSSAA. And we answer a few of your Twitter questions. Please download the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. One quick thing Tuesday marked nine years since we lost Austin Box. If you or someone you know is struggling with prescription drug abuse, visit Austin Box 12 Foundation. Dot .com All right, our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma breakdown. It's a beautiful Thursday, May 21st. Now we're recording this on Wednesday night. We've got a fantastic interview with Kenneth Murray. He tells us why he was so surprised to get drafted by the Chargers and what he hopes his legacy at OU will be. But before we get to that, we know why y'all are here, and that is for college football talk. And we cannot waste any time, Teddy. We have to get right. To it. I love it. Because there is positive momentum in the college football world. Ted, college football is back, baby. Let's go.
1: It feels like it, man, doesn't it? I mean, it's been a while since we've heard any major setback news, right? Um, I think all the stuff that we, we see out there is positive. The trends are positive. Now, you do hear some stuff time to time uh, whenever whether it's Ohio State's athletic director talking about contingencies that you know they've got a, a plan in place where they can accommodate 20,000 or 30,000 people and, and and have social distancing I think those are all just plans in place to see what it's like whenever we actually kick off but as far as getting there I think the the news has been really good I mean the the NCAA <laughs> Essentially getting out of the way for the SEC to bring their guys in June 1, I think that's pretty telling and uh, I think once we see the SEC go and I'm, I'm assuming that vote goes in Friday oh, and they oh, vote oh for you it. feel
0: confident that that's going to get approved by the SEC presidents during that vote on Friday.
1: I feel pretty strongly about it, however, Gabe, we know that elections don't always go as predicted and this is that's a, vote. a great point. So, <laughs> so I would just say that I feel strongly about it. We'll see, the NCAA, I think, I mean, I could see uh, a president or an athletic director saying, ma'am, I don't know about this vote. I'd love to have our guys back June 1st, but the last thing we want is a big clash with the NCAA. So whenever they got out of the way and said, hey, we're, we're approving it June 1st, then I think that's – I think pretty much the script is written there.
0: Yeah, the the NCAA Division One Council voted to approve voluntary athletic Activities in football, men's basketball, and women's basketball starting June 1st. Going through June 30th, uh, this paves the way for conferences and schools to start bringing student-athletes back to campus. The one interesting thing for me is, is everyone just going to try to do it June 1st? Because I don't think they are. I think there's going to be some people that take a few weeks and I think there's two important questions. What is our testing protocol and how often are we going to do it? And what happens if a guy tests positive? I think those are two very important questions. I know that schools have been working on these protocol protocols for weeks, maybe even months. I think that's going to be pretty easy. But, the testing aspect, how often, is really interesting to me because I know a lot of these universities, they have medical schools. They have partnerships. I mean, they have all kinds of connections in the medical community. But tests aren't cheap. I mean, these, these coronavirus tests are running between $100 and $150 a pop. Now, that's right now. Maybe that cost comes down as these tests and antibody tests continue to develop. But when you think about 100 guys at $100 a pop, what are you going to do every week? you Are going to do it every month, every two weeks? Because every day, I mean, that turns out to be really, really expensive. And when you already had the NCAA tournament get canceled in basketball, they're already missing that revenue. There's the big question mark of what is the fan situation going to be in the fall? Teddy, I'm not sure there's a bunch of athletic departments that are ready to cough up $1,000 a day, $10,000 a day on coronavirus tests. I mean, is it is it like drug testing where they randomly select guys to give them a coronavirus test? Or is it every guy once a week? I, I don't know. I, I think how often you test the guys is going to be really interesting. And then what happens? What's the protocol? What do you follow when you do test a guy and he tests positive?
1: Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what I would do. I have no idea if this is what they're going to do, but I'll tell you what I would do if I was running the show up there. When everyone comes back, everyone gets a test, okay? And obviously, if you – have a positive test. You're quarantined. You're going to that whole, that whole deal. We know how that is. Um, at that point, I don't test again until I have to, um, maybe, maybe there's a month goes by, but if I don't have anyone showing symptoms, then I'm not going to have another test. This is, this is going to be a controlled environment whenever they're back. Now, I know you can't keep guys from, you know, seeing their girlfriends and go hanging out at, and having a, maybe a beverage or two. It's just, you know, it's college guys. Beverage That's or ten. Do. So I understand that, but if if I don't have anyone with symptoms, I'm not going to be testing um, until the season. Whenever you're about to, you got to make sure before you go and uh, get in you know, play a game against another team where you're mixing up the, the people you've been around once again. I think you gotta make sure that uh, there are no no positives there. If I have guys that start to show symptoms, obviously you retest everyone at that point. But aside from that, I don't think you worry about it. And I, I know that may shock some people, but here's the thing. This is this is not you can you can really see the demographics that this affects and these football players are not in that demographic. Um, The last You don't want to be spreading the virus and and going out and having a ton of contact, but I don't think that's going to be the case with these guys. I feel like it's going to be whenever they bring the players onto campus. Now, they can't keep them on campus. They can't force them to stay, but I think it's going to be one of those things where when you voluntarily arrive for off-season workouts, you're here.
0: Right, and and – that, that is interesting because the summer workouts that I did, that you did, those were technically voluntary. Mm-hmm. So uh, I am also interested to see what kind of oversight from the coaching staff is allowed during these voluntary workouts. Is it just like a normal summer workout period where you can spend all kinds of time with your strength and conditioning coaches? Or are they going to allow – the coaches to meet with them in some capacity are those meetings
1: time that they lost
0: right I mean they got a lot of time to make up but I'm just happy because from where we were two weeks ago I was extremely pessimistic about the college football season and all of a sudden it seems like we're getting right back into the swing of things and I am fired up for it Uh, I'm all for it now I hope that All these people are as safe as possible and that the players are accountable because you mentioned, hey, if all these guys are going out and hanging out and big groups of people, people they don't know and they're hugging people and dabbing people up, well, then some bad things could probably happen. I mean, that's already been proven.
1: And you know this, uh, campus in the summer is a ghost town anyways. There's not a whole heck of a lot going on. I can't imagine that
0: the normal fraternity rush system is going on as usual, which is normally the only thing that is going on also in the summer.
1: So, I mean, that's the thing is a typical summer is pretty low key to begin with. This summer, when nobody's going to be around, no summer school going on, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be completely dead. So, I'm not going to say that the guys aren't going to be out there intermingling with people. I mean, that's going to happen, but I mean, it, it's, it's, it's not going to be like, they're going to be jumping around in frat parties with 1500 people there.
0: You, you would like to I imagine, <laughs> you would like to imagine that they will avoid those situations, but Hey, some of those parties are a lot of fun. You you never really know. Now something interesting For me today, I was able to talk to Heather Denich, uh, covers the college football playoff for ESPN. She talked to Gene Smith, the Ohio State athletic director. They are planning on having guys back June 8th. Mm -hmm. Like, that is Ohio State's plan. And I'd like to think that Oklahoma and Ohio State are pretty level when it comes to where their programs are at in college football. However, when she asked him what the plan was, if a player tested positive, he didn't have much of an answer for her. So I think that's the next step. Uh, I think all of these athletic directors, these football coaches, these university presidents, everyone is going to try to figure out what the hell do we do if we have a kid test positive because it's going to happen. I mean, I I think it's inevitable. There's too many – college football players and men's basketball players and women's basketball players, just statistically speaking, although the risk for this age demographic is low, we know there's going to be some positive tests. Mm -hmm. What happens when that happens is kind of the great mystery right now. And I'm sure all of these people are working diligently to develop those plans, Ted. Well, the,
1: the plan of action is going to be somewhere between um, quarantine the, the individual player for 14 days and take a flamethrower and incinerate the entire building, right? Yes. It's going to be somewhere in between those two. Somewhere in between those extremes. <laughs> but if I were in Gene Smith's position or any athletic director, president, or head football coach, and I was asked that specific question, I would not give an answer either. Right. And the reason is, no matter what you say that what your protocol is, if your protocol is to isolate the individual player um, maybe trace some contacts that he's had and where he could have picked it up outside of the team who all showed up and, and tested and everyone was negative. Um, if you say that, well, people are going to say, that's not enough. You've got to stop the the whole thing. I mean, there's never going to be an answer that's going to satisfy everyone. So I just I wouldn't give an answer. I'd say that we're thinking about a different couple of different options. We're, we've got some things out there that we've talked with medical professionals that we feel pretty good. We haven't settled on necessarily what we're going to go with yet. But if you give a hard answer, there is going to be instant pushback on whatever you say.
0: Yeah, I, I'm just really uh, I'm really curious if this situation pops up because I, I think there is some advantage probably to keeping your protocols that you've established a a little vague, right? Give yourself some flexibility. I, I think everyone would understand that. But if you're a head coach, I mean, if you're Lincoln Riley, if you're Mike Gundy, and one of your player's parents asks you, hey, what happens if Jimmy tests positive for the coronavirus after he comes back? I I would not want to be a head coach in that situation with a parent asking me that question and not have a very specific answer, a very specific Mm -hmm. plan laid out to bring them some comfort. Because Ted, you know they have one. Right, right. You know the number one thing when you recruit, you walk into those living rooms and you said, Hey, you can trust me with your kid. I will take care of him. I will do whatever. He needs – I will keep him safe.
1: And they so will. So they're going like, to have to have, a, have a plan. I mean, and that's not a lie. There's, there's no better place for you to be than on a college campus in one of these football programs if you were to test positive for coronavirus. I mean, I know obviously you don't want to bring that virus there to that environment, but you've got top-notch medical professionals looking after you. Um, you're going to get a ton of care. And they'll be looked after hundred percent. The first thing I would say to the parents is, I'm sending them back to your house. I mean, that's 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 where he's going. Have you not
0: had enough? <laughs> right. You can keep feeding him, you can take care of him. Yeah, have fun. And I I do wonder if there's gonna be some players that don't show up. Now, I don't think there's gonna be very many because the whole message of accountability and you gotta take care of the man next to you and basically everything. That guys learn growing up playing football not showing up to a voluntary workout pretty much goes against all of that, so you certainly don't want to face the judgment of your teammates if you didn't show up because you just said, yeah no i was I was too worried about the virus Now, yeah. maybe there'll be a couple of guys, but I think we're going to see ninety nine percent of college football players when they're allowed, and I know that Bob bolsby said that Big 12 presidents uh, seem to be trending more toward the middle of June. We'll see if they still feel that way, if SEC schools are working out in football facilities on June 1st. Um, That could change some things, but maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe the Big 12 will slow play it. Um, Cautious leadership in the Big 12. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised, though, if all of a sudden, middle of June maybe becomes June 8th. But I just know that I am absolutely fired up that it looks like we're going to play college football on time. It, the conversation has gone from, is college football going to be played, to, hey, how many fans do you think we can cram in this thing right. exactly. without making too many people mad? Like, oh, how do you – 40,000? It's probably 40,000, right?
1: We're still uncertain, but we're uncertain about some different things, which is good, right? Not talking about a spring or a split season. Um, A couple of quick things. I I think the early part of June is probably going to be most likely to happen. Here's the kicker, though. If the SEC votes for June 1 on Friday, Clemson, uh, Ohio State, Penn State, They're not going to sit back and let – We'll be there June 2nd. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's like once the SEC, once that domino falls, everyone's going to show up June 1st. Now, here's the interesting thing. What does the Big 12 vote look like? Because when you you talk about Lincoln's – what he said last Thursday, which he came out and was, you know, uh, very direct in what he said is kind of rare for him. Like uh, he can't backtrack that on that, right? So no, if that's a great point. Big Twelve votes June first, and
0: the school remember, up June first. R- remember, Lincoln Riley doesn't get a vote. Well, I know. Uh, so but, I I know you would assume that the leadership, you know, Joe Harris, Joe Castiglione, there at Oklahoma, are kind of united with Lincoln Riley in that viewpoint. Now we don't know that for a fact, but we kind of assume that. But Things have changed. Right? Well, that's what I'm saying. Things is have changed. Like, if
1: if the big twelve votes June one and teams show up June one, Oklahoma will not be back June one. My opinion. I think maybe Oklahoma, June eighth?
0: June fifteenth? Somewhere at the yeah. earliest. I, I I kinda think you're right. I think I mean, that they, he, he can't he can't be
1: that stern in his statement. And then it opens up June 1st and be like, well, yeah, I guess if everyone else is doing it, it's okay. So so do
0: you think just from, you know, public perception, right, which is important whether we like it or not, if Lincoln Riley brings his guys back June 15th, do you think he doesn't catch a bunch of heat from the media? Does it have to be July 1st? I don't know. I know I mean, that Gordon Gee and West Virginia, they're going to be back. That yeah. old man, the president of West Virginia, said, put the pads on me. We're strapping up. Let's roll.
1: I mean, I haven't heard anyone – Lincoln Riley is really the only person I've heard, at least recently, uh, make a statement like that. So, it's, you know, it'll be a big talking point whenever it happens. If, you know, we play Tennessee second game of the year. If Tennessee's starting June 1st and the rest of the Big 12 starts June 1st, and Oklahoma doesn't start, well, it's going to be a big talking point for a long time. You go out there and win football games, no one's going to care.
0: Right, no one cares. But if
1: the rest of the country starts on June 1st and we don't start until later and we lose an early football game, you know just as well as I do, Gabe, we're the first place everyone's going to go.
0: Yeah, and no one will care about the coronavirus. No one will be like, hey, everyone had to deal with it. Why weren't we back? June first, like the rest of the teams in the country,
1: and the the truth is, is that going to be the difference between winning a game in the middle of September, whether you're back June first, June eighth, or June fifteenth?
0: No, it's not. But that but doesn't change. If the you narrative. lose, if you lose <laughs> an early game, it will certainly be brought up. Uh, That's there's right. no there. There's absolutely no doubt. So, and I'm also when when it comes to the Big Twelve, does the vote? Does it have to be unanimous? Does everyone come back at the same time? The big 12 has been pretty united throughout this whole thing Mm -hmm. under Bob Bowlesby, but I'm sure some of the, I mean, does Chris Kleiman want to get back to work with his guys as soon as possible? I mean, they're already back in the office. They started Monday. So Texas
1: is working to get back. Texas
0: is working to get back. I mean, you know, Tom Herman, he's in the office. Now he has to get his temperature checked and answer this questionnaire and he's Got to jump through some hoops to get into DKR, but he's there. Have you Oklahoma traveled to staff,
1: China within the last 24 hours?
0: No. Not, <laughs> not to, what, what happens if someone says not sure on that questionnaire question? Now, one thing that also, so that NCAA Division I council meeting, uh, one big thing came out of it, kind of got swept under the rug, probably because people understand, and that is they are going to put off the one-time transfer waiver So that legislation will be developed in January of 2021 and I'm sure it'll be passed then and it'll go into effect in the 2021-2022 academic year. So all these people wondering if guys can get that one-time transfer and be ready to go before this season, that's not happening. Uh, That is going to get delayed and I think that makes perfect sense with What's going on with the coronavirus and the uncertainty and football just now getting fired back up here in June? I don't think anyone wants to have to deal with those transfer waivers. And now some players, I'm sure, are upset that this whole thing happened and that hasn't gotten pushed through. But I bet head coaches are absolutely thrilled because if anyone is going to hate this, it's going to be head coaches.
1: Yeah, you're going to have to recruit every single guy on your roster every year. Um, you know, it, it's it's just going to add more to what the coaches already have to go through, you know, and um, I don't know, we'll see. I'll tell you something that I think is interesting. You know, although I don't think this is going to happen, it seems to be trending in the right direction there as well, but what's the, what's the situation if the Pac-12 doesn't get it together and they don't play I football? I will
0: personally call Pene Sewell and beg him to come play left tackle for OU. And I do mean beg. I I will beg him because he is – he's quite possibly the best player in the country, and if he is a free agent, we got to do what we got to do. Ted, I got to do what I got to do. Here's the problem.
1: I think it would be interesting, like, okay, Pac-12's not playing. These guys, if they're – you know, if they want to transfer out, which everyone would, but I think it'd be interesting because everyone's at their scholarship limit right now. So if he called and said, "Hey, Coach Beanbo, you need a left tackle this this season," Bill would say, "Yeah," and then he'd start looking at the roster. And he'd be like,
0: look. <laughs> he'd look at the scholarship guy now. Beanbo does not hide his feelings. He doesn't. If you are a scholarship guy and you are not living up to that scholarship, he will tell you to your face. He will say, you are stealing a scholarship right now. And he will look to one of the walk-ons and go, you should have his scholarship. That's out of my control, but you should. He will say those things in meetings. If Panay Sewell was able to be added to Oklahoma's roster, I'm not sure there's a single lineman other than Creed Humphrey that Bill Beatenboe wouldn't get rid of for that kid. And it's understandable. The kid's – he's the best offensive tackle in the country. He's going to be a top five draft pick. Which, I I mean, I would
1: be all for, but we know how that would go over if they started yanking scholarships for guys. I mean, it would have to be a situation where they're setting them up with transfers. And, I mean, I I don't know how that would go down. But, I mean, if there was – if they gave, like, a scholarship exception – I mean, then
0: you're talking about something. Then Oklahoma should raid the Pac 12 for all of the defensive line talent there is. Just grab them all. Take
1: uh, three planes on uh, road trips.
0: (laughs) Yeah, why not? We got everyone. It'd be like back in the day no scholarship limit. Be perfect. Be like the Switzer era. Uh, One thing that people may have missed and It is, a, in my opinion, a pretty solid win for student-athletes over the NCAA in a legal battle. Now, remember, right now, student-athletes just get a scholarship, the cost of attendance check, and maybe FAFSA, Pell Grant, depending on each kid's situation. But a federal appeals court upheld a ruling that will allow colleges to pay for any education-related expenses for student-athletes in the future. That includes computers, quote-unquote science equipment, musical instruments, which leads me to question, what isn't considered educational? Because technically, if I need my Lexus to get to school, can they provide that for me i'm just i'm just spitballing here i wonder what is educational and what is not if you can buy all these kids macbooks you best believe all of these college football programs are going to do it of course they're going to do it it's another recruiting tool
1: they're going to do it and they're going to find ways to not just get them macbooks but get them like the greatest computer, like some of those gaming computers that have the ridiculous processors. Oh, of course. I mean, and,
0: video games can be your career. That's educational. Sure. So, yeah. I mean, if
1: if there's if there's a a little bit of gray area, trust me, uh, college football programs will dance right in the middle of it. So, yeah. I mean, it will be exploited, and the this is just an, yet another avenue where the rich get richer because as we know, there's a handful of programs that can continue to take advantage of these loopholes. Uh, you know, and there's a lot that just can't, I mean, there's a lot that won't be able to do it. So I
0: will, I will be so impressed by the first college football player that comes to college and they say, no, no, no. I want to be a music major. I play the piano and then they ask for what's it called, like a Steinway, Yeah. one of those grand pianos, right? Something like that, just, yeah, piano. just something unbelievable. Like, yeah, no, it's educational. Uh, you can and get it. it gets for on me. there
1: and plays hot cross buns, right? Hey,
0: <laughs> I can still. I bet you I can still play hot cross buns because of my. What I think it was called, like musical theory class yeah. that I took at OU. I was pretty good at the recorder, though. I mean, I, yeah. was, I was solid.
1: I was too. I had the same class. Hot cross buns was a go-to. You had to play it in front of the whole class.
0: Now, uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure how solid this man is on the recorder, but he is solid as hell on the football field, which is probably why he was taken with the first-round draft pick by the L.A. Chargers, and they traded multiple picks to move up and get him. We will not keep you guys waiting any longer Here's Kenneth Murray. We are joined by a star linebacker from the University of Oklahoma. He was the first round draft pick by the Los Angeles Chargers. It is our absolute pleasure to have Kenneth Murray in the house. K-9, how we doing, man?
1: Yeah,
2: I'm doing good. You know, I can't complain, so
1: i have been doing good. Man, I, I bet you're happy to get the draft out of the way, right? I mean, that's a nerve-wracking time with the, the preparation, the combine, and all the different things you have to go through. And then finally, here comes the draft, and that's the worst of it all, that that one or two hours there whenever you're waiting. But uh, I bet you're happy to get finally settled in and start preparing for some football. Yeah, for sure.
2: I uh, you know I definitely went through the draft process. was was, you know, nerve-wracking, and it was kind of, you know, one of the moments in my life that I can, you know, record it, you know, I actually did get nervous. So, uh, you know, I remember you know, sitting on the couch waiting for for the fall in the ring, you know, just sweating. You know, I'm usually not a nervous guy. So, uh, you know, it was definitely nerve wracking.
0: You mentioned sitting on the couch waiting for the call. It, is it true that when Tom Telesco called you, it actually came from an Indianapolis number?
2: Yeah, that's 100% true. Uh, that's why it's just so crazy. Uh, you know I was sitting there, you know waiting, waiting, and then you know I get this Indianapolis number come across my phone, and you know we my agent you know obviously you know due to the to to the uh the coronavirus, my agent't was able to actually be there, and so you know we kind of had like a little little thing set up where you know as soon as we got like the the phone come across you know I would tell you know my daddy was in my actually who like what area code it was, he would tell my agent and my agent would be able to be like okay, like it's this team blah 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 so you know, we did that, and then I got on the phone, and they're like, oh, this Los Angeles charges. So I was just like, like, whoa. And so it just it – t- it took me by surprise, to be honest, because, you know, out of all, all the teams, I probably talked to them in the least. So, you know, we had a formal interview at the Combine. You know, I thought that went really good. But, I mean, I, I truly thought, you know, every interview I did went really good. So, you know, we didn't really talk after that. You know, but they just asked me if I was healthy. I'm one of the scouts at the pro day. And after that, they dragged me.
1: Man, I, the journey for you was amazing. You come in to OU, true freshman, and you'd never played on the inside, right? You've been an edge player yeah. in high school. So you show up, and the first couple of days in camp, I mean, that's that's what you prepare for is be an edge guy. There's injury. They move you to inside backer, and I'm sure at the time it was like, okay, here's an opportunity. You probably felt comfortable on the edge, but they moved you to the inside, and here you are a couple years later going in the first round as the inside backer i mean what was that progression like for you from being uncomfortable moving into the inside being a true freshman uh, you know probably just trying to find your place in a defense to being the dominant guy and the guy that everyone looked to at the inside mike backer spot just that that whole progression man
2: man it was it was a grind to be honest you know um you know coming into to, to you know, college, and then them moving me into inside and you know, I just remember, You know, just you know, reteaching myself the game of football. That that whole grind I had my freshman year. Then, you know, it's kind of you know something that, you know not not a lot of people know. Actually, you know, I was actually going to move back outside to the edge. Um, you know, going into my sophomore year, you know, Coach Riley kind of kind of asked me about it, um, and so you know. For me, during that time, you know, I was just adamant about just, you know, just keeping the same position because, you know, I hadn't played the same position for, you know, multiple years, you know, my whole football career. Um, And so, um, you know, ended up staying at it and ended up just continuing to grind. And, um, you know, like I said, it was just a grind, and I just grinded it all the way out, and it got me to this point.
0: And it's with the coaching staff change, what was the most difficult part uh, of adjusting to – Alex Grinch and Odom and, and just their demanding style, what what was the most difficult thing going from Mike Stoops uh, to Alex Grinch?
2: Well, I think, I think the most difficult thing was just, you know, getting everybody on board. Um, you know, you got guys like myself and, you know, a few other guys who, you know, we, we live, eat, and breathe ball. So, you know, for, for them to come in and say, that's what we're going to do, like, I'm like a kid in a candy shop when you tell me that. But then, you know, when, when pretty much, you know, Majority of the guys, they, they they don't feel that way. You know that's where you got to start, be able to change the culture. So I think you know just overall, just getting everybody on board, getting everybody on the same on the same page of, of what the standard is, and and you know just going out there and achieving that standard. And if you don't, then you know it's unacceptable. And so just getting everybody on board. I definitely think you know we had our growing pains going throughout the off season, but you know it paid off you know, during the season.
1: So, what's it been like for you here recently? I know it's been—I mean, it's already new to begin with. Trying to transition to the NFL, it's—it's—it's it's, it's an off-season you never experienced before, and then all of a sudden, obviously, we've got the virus stuff going on, and it's a virtual off-season. What—what has that been like for you? Has it been difficult to stay motivated and and, and you know, keep your workout routine going and, and stay on the film and and playbook and stuff? Or has it been pretty seamless for you?
2: No, I mean, I've always been the, been a guy to be extremely motivated. Um, you know, I'm always going to put the time in. Um, you know, as far as my workouts, you know, my workouts have kind of been been the same. Um, you know, we're still able to get out to the track and stuff like that. And um, my trainer converted uh, his, his gym into – I mean, his, his garage into a gym. Um, so, you know, as far as the weights and the training and stuff, it's been good. But I think just overall, I'd probably say the most difficult thing right now is just obviously, you know, just being – uh, you know, in meetings and and, and and learning the playbook stuff all virtually. You know, it's you know it's it's real good to, to have that human interaction with your teammates, that human interaction with your coach, and um, you know, it's definitely you know a little bit different. You know, just you know sitting at at a, at a table and, and being on the phone or on Zoom for you know six seven hours out of the morning all the way into mid afternoon, just going through meetings, trying to learn the playbook, and just going over and over and over again about it, and you know you don't really have that that interaction, so. I think that's probably what I'm going to do part about it, but, you know, I'm still
0: burning it out. What have your interactions with Gus Bradley been like? Um, now, Gus was my coach at the Senior Bowl, so uh, I am familiar with that man's energy and enthusiasm, but uh, I assume he's been the same way in the virtual meetings.
2: Man, man you know, unwavering energy. You know, that's just you know, who he is, and you know, I love that about him. Um, and So, you know, you know, that's, that's definitely one of the first things that I took away from him, you know, speaking to him for the first time is, you know, just his energy and, um, you know, just overall his mindset. You know, it kinda, his whole philosophy of defense kind of really reminds me a lot of Coach Branch and um, his philosophy. So, um, you know, when, when hearing that, you know, it just made me excited.
1: I love Gus. He was my linebacker coach at Tampa Bay uh, for a very short period of time. But a guy I spent a lot of time with, Kenneth, is Richard Smith. What do you think so far about Richard Smith? I
2: mean, he's a great man. I mean, dude that, that just loves the game. But, you know, he's extremely tough. You know, he, he demands a lot out of you. And, you know, I love that about a coach. A coach that's going to push me. Um, you know, he, 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 he cares about it. You, know, you definitely can tell that when talking to him and, and being around him. So, you know, I've been enjoying it. You know, just trying to soak up everything that I can. You know, me and him, you know, we, we, we meet a lot, um, you know, between, you know, meetings with the group meetings without the group. So um, you know we definitely you know spend a lot of time with getting- him.
1: Let me ask a follow up Gabe real quick. Has he has he picked a, a player that you remind him of and he wants you to be like?
2: Oh uh, not really. I mean we, we kinda went over something like that. I can't really remember to be honest. But we went over you know, kind of the first meeting that we had, um, we actually he actually took out like his little uh, film cut up of me from college. Um, and just was going through that and, and talking about different guys and you know, how I reminded him
1: of, of a few different guys. So, um, you know, you definitely you know things I have the attributes to be great. So he he whenever I first he, he was in Detroit whenever they drafted me. So uh Richard Smith was my coach and he he had this deal where he was trying to uh get me to play like Bill Romanowski. So everything that he I, I did, he, he <laughs> called the, the Romanowski effect, and uh, he wore me out with that. But I want to tell you this story. So draft happens, and all the rookies come in for rookie minicamp. And so the linebackers meet, and I think there's three of us. There's, there's me, there's a kid named Alex Lewis from Wisconsin, and then I think there was an undrafted kid, so there's three of us. And we're, we're in this meeting and Rich is like, he's very direct. He's very loud in his meetings. He drops about 5,000 F-bombs.
2: <laughs> yeah. okay.
1: So we're in this meeting and it's like 10 o'clock at night. We just flew in. We've had to do a bunch of stuff and this is our first meeting. So we're sitting there and I look over and Alex Lewis is asleep. And oh, right no. about the time that I see he's asleep, Rich turns his head and sees that he's asleep. And he jumps up and he makes a fist and he gets right in his face. And he screams at him. If you ever fall asleep in my meeting again, I'll hit you right in the heaven mouth. And I remember, and that dude was just like, and I remember thinking, oh my God, this is going to be just like college, but. I loved Rich, man. He was fantastic. That guy, he's brutal. And I saw that you said that you've been doing some track stuff out there on the track. Keep doing it because he's a run. That's again, <laughs> he made me a much better player, but
0: he's yeah. intense. Kenneth, now I know you're a guy, you you have extremely high expectations of yourself and you're you're going to bring your best, but when you look at what the Chargers did to move up to draft you, I mean they they went from 37 to 23, and uh, they clearly had a high high value on you on their draft board. Does that increase your sense of urgency to succeed, or do you feel like you you have to live up to that? Do you feel that at all?
2: Um, nah, I mean for me, you know. You know, I've probably got that question probably, you know, five times, five to ten times the last, you know, few days. Um, you know, for me, you know, it's, it's simple. You know, my, my expectations are always higher than, than what, what what anybody could ever label on me. So, um, at the end of the day, you know, it's no pressure for me. You know, I understand what type of player I am. Um, I understand what type of work I'm going to put into it. Um, and, and at the end of the day, you know, I, I'm confident in, in, in the way that I prepare. Um, I'm confident in, in, in what I've learned from Oklahoma, and um, you know, I'm just confident that you know, I'm gonna be able to go in there and, and make an impact on that team.
1: What's the guy? Have they given you guys any instruction as to what might happen when you when you might be able to arrive or uh, mini camp or, or just kind of what, what's going to happen over the next month or two? It's all up in the air. You know, we we did our rookie mini camp uh, this past weekend
2: virtually, so um, but. You know, right now it's just been meetings, um, you know, during the week. And, um, you know, it's all up in the air. You know, nobody, they, they're talking about reopening a facility, but um, that's only to pretty much, you know, uh, you know the business staff and um, some players that, that are rehabbing. But, you know, nobody's nobody really knows. So, I mean, it's just all up in the air.
0: Now, when the draft happens and the other rookies come in and you, you bring the undrafted free agents in, usually there's some rookie meetings uh, where you, you get to know your draft class, the guys coming in with you, and you talk about various aspects of being a professional. Are are, are you guys having any of those meetings as a rookie class or is it straight ball right now?
2: Yeah, uh, we, 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 we're having... A- Pretty much a bunch of different meetings. To be honest, you know, we have those meetings where um, it's just the rookies, and we're going through the rookie development, um, you know, with, with with those guys. And then um, you know, that's usually after we get done, um, you know, meeting meeting our ball. So uh, that's why I say, you know, I, I literally be sitting here for like six seven hours, just you know, going from meeting to meeting, from meeting and just you know, talking talking it all
1: over. What's the game plan as far as? the uh, X's and O's, have they told you, are you playing Mike, are you playing the will, like, kind of what are the expectations on that defense for you? Well, Coach, I'm talking to Coach, Coach Smith, I
2: mean, um, you know, he, he sees that I, I have that athleticism to be able to play both. Um, right now, he mainly wants me to focus on the, the Mike position generally because of my leadership ability. But, um, you know, definitely learning both um, is, is something that I'm doing right now. I'm taking them both in because, at the end of the day, you know, I never know, you know, what what might happen. So, um, you
0: know, just learn about being never going to compete. Now, I, I got a weird question for you, K-9. So, going back to a tweet you had on January 10th of 2017. Right. You said, three years from now, I will be a first-round draft pick as an OLB Just Wait 100." football emoji you win the first round but technically not at outside linebacker so I, I know you tweeted out I did it and that's true you were a first rounder, but do you feel like you let yourself down because it was an inside linebacker instead of outside linebacker no
2: nah, I should just say linebacker it's, <laughs> no it's just crazy how God works to be honest you know Going through our high school, you know, probably like two or three different times they tried to move the inside linebacker. And I was just always like, nah, I'm a passer. Like, or no, nah, I want to be a safety. Like, I don't want to deal with the trash in there. Um, And, you know, it just was for me. It's a position for me, position that fit me. And uh, ultimately, I couldn't run away from it anymore. So, uh, you know, I had to make that move. And it's what's best for me.
1: So the truth is, yes. you were going to come back for your senior year. And then you remembered the tweet and thought, oh, I got to be right, so I've got go to go uh, to the NFL and go, go to the draft. No, but seriously, though, what was that decision like? I mean, w- was there a point where you knew, okay, yeah, I've, I've played myself into the, into the draft this year, uh, first round. Is there a moment where you felt like that was, that was going to be your decision or was it really right up to the end?
2: Well, I mean, obviously it was a, it was a goal coming into college, you um, for me, you know, I, I never really focused on, you know, oh, like I'm going to the NFL right now. Like that was never my focus in college. I just knew you know, if I took care of business, I'd be able to put myself in that position. And so, you know, going throughout this last season, obviously a new going into it. You know, it was the third year, and it was a year for me that, you know, I could I can make something shape. And um, you know, for me, that was the focus was just trying to win a championship. Because I knew, you know, it's, if, if we all win, then, then at the end of the day, you know, what I want will happen. So. That's where really my main focus was—just putting my all into to the team and just you know giving my all every day. And um, you know, that's ultimately what what got me to the position that I got to at the end of the season. So you know, I hadn't looked at it throughout the season. Um, you know, I sat down with you know a few people uh, after the season, um, you know, Coach Riley, my parents, uh, you know, Curtis Lawton, um, and you know, we we just all just you know came to the conclusion that it was time. And so. I just made the decision, and, and, you know, at the end of the day, I just felt confident I mean, either way it went because I, mean, I knew, you know, what I brought to the table. I knew I was going to kill the combine. I knew I, mean, I, I just brought it out to the table.
0: That's, that, that's interesting, man. And I, I think you made a, a pretty solid decision there, bud. <laughs> now, now, when it comes to getting ready for the National Football League, uh, with there being no OTAs, who knows what will happen with minicamp and what training camp's going to look like. But going against Lincoln's offense every day in practice, with how much you're seeing things like that in the National Football League pop up, do you feel like you're maybe more ready than some of these other rookies, especially since some of this preseason stuff's been cut out?
2: Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I feel like I've seen a lot. You know, I I I, I get excited about that type of stuff because you know I've seen a lot um, when it comes to you know the spread offense and stuff like that. And then even when we when we played, you know, sort of you know post style offenses, things like that. You know, I've, I made a bunch of plays, a bunch of tackles versus teams like that. So. Um, you know, just looking looking at, you know, what, what what we see in our division and what we see, you know, on a weekly basis, you know, I feel really confident in, um,
1: you know, just being able to go out there and study and make plays. I got to tell you, um, for, for the most part in the NFL, I'm pretty neutral. I've got a couple of teams I root for, but there's only one person that I've ever rooted against, and that is Phillip Rivers. I cannot stand Philip Rivers, played against <laughs> Philip Rivers. He talks more
0: crap anyone
1: (laughs) in the NFL he he, he's the worst can't stand the guy so I'm so glad that he's gone because I can root for the 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 chargers (laughs) and not feel bad about it so this worked out beautifully for me because I'm going to be right there with you which by the way you guys do have a a nice young quarterback coming in plus a nice old vet in in Tyrod Taylor so that's going to be pretty fun like yeah it's awesome for you because you're the first rounder on defense, but all the pressure's going to be on the quarterback. You don't have to worry about it, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: so, I mean, it's going to be good. I'm, I'm excited for the season. I'm just ready to
0: get back out there. Have you been able to talk to Justin Herbert at all? I know a lot of people say he's a pretty interesting guy, really smart guy. I know some people, for whatever reason, question how much he liked football, and then all of a sudden – He's one of the first quarterbacks taken. So, have you guys had any communication at all?
2: Oh, we chopped it up a couple times, you know, throughout meetings and stuff like that. But um, other than that, you know, not really, you know, he's, you know, where he's at in in, uh, California getting ready and, um, you know, I'm here. So, you know, like I said, you know, meeting over virtually has kind of just been been different for everybody. So, um, you know, it's not really as much, you know interaction as it would be you know if we all were just in the same building going to work every day
0: now one thing you became very well known for in norman uh, other than saving people's lives via cpr is your work in the community is that something you're planning on doing in los angeles it, it, it always seemed like it mean meant a lot to you is that something you're planning to continue in national football league
2: oh yeah of course i mean you know, i just, it's my obligation to do that, you know. you know. I remember what it was like being a kid sitting down and looking up and seeing the, the dudes in the NFL saying I wanted to be there and wanted to be like that. So, um, for me, I just feel like it's an obligation for me to be able to give back to, to, you know, those that are in need and be able to, you know, put myself in a position to be able to, you know, do that. And so, um, for me, you know, I, you know, I feel like God gave me this platform for a reason and uh, I got to use it.
1: You were in 56? Is that what Yo. you Why'd you pick that number? I don't know. It just looked it looked the best out of like all the numbers they sent me. This is good. 40 I picked and fifty-four, and I'm, I I regretted it. it. Sucked. Yeah.
0: I picked I picked sixty-four, and then I got there, and they gave me sixty-one. <laughs>
1: 61 looks better than 64 though i was like wait
0: well 64 was my number in college that's all i was like oh i get 64 this is incredible and then i go to buffalo and i'm looking at the roster like oh maybe i can get 64 here richie incognito's wearing 64 oh god (laughs) 56
1: is a good one though man there's there's some legends that have worn that number oh yeah for sure
0: well, K9, man, we, we really appreciate the time. Uh, wish you the best of luck throughout this entire process. Incredibly proud of you. Uh, you deserve it, man. And I bet it. Sooner Nation's behind you. We all got your back, bro.
2: So I appreciate that.
0: Thanks to Kenneth Murray for joining us. Man, just one of the most likable guys of all time. It, it, it's been a lot of fun covering him and getting to know him uh, just from some of the conversations before and after games. I, I don't know if there's an easier guy to root for on the planet, Teddy. That kid is just as good as they come.
1: Yeah, he's a, he's a coach's dream, uh, a, a physical freak that wants to do everything that you tell him to, handles his business like a professional off the field, and just absolutely every day comes in and, and, and does what he's supposed to and more, which, you know, the big question is how are they going to replace that? You know, they're not going to replace that athleticism. Um, are they going to be able to replace that leadership? Are or, or guys going to be able to have that voice? So well, that's, they may be able to voice. replace
0: that athleticism if Brian Asamoah can figure it out. I know you're a big oh, Asamoah man. guy. I. I just I, I, I
1: hope it all comes together. I really do. Um, yeah, he put out a tweet the other day, and I'm trying to remember what it said. Uh, I'll have to look it up, but it was something like I, like I know what I'm capable of and, or all this stuff, and I was like, okay, well then there's no excuses then, right? I mean, is that what you're telling us? like because th- it's time. No he could he could be a, he could be an absolute freak on the field. I mean, we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, but certainly big shoes to fill at the middle linebacker position for whoever steps into them there at Oklahoma. All right, Ted, let's finish this podcast off with some segments. And since it is Thursday, you know, we got to wet the beak for the weekend and talk a little sports gambling. And we've got a special edition of Wet the Beak today because on Sunday, The Capital One's The Match Champions for Charity is going down at Medalist Golf Club in Hobesound, Florida. It will be Tiger Woods, ever heard of him, and Peyton Manning taking on Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady. Now, it's kind of interesting. It's $10 million to charity. For the winner, I assume, Uh, there's other opportunities as well. I think there's a long drive thing, closest to the pin, stuff like that. This is going down Sunday at 2 p.m. Central, God's time, of course, on TNT and TBS. It's going to be four ball on the front nine and a modified version of alternate shot on the back. And probably the best and most exciting part about it Charles Barkley is going to be part of the broadcast. And I cannot wait because you know he is definitely going to swing the sticks and it is going to make us all feel much better about our golf game. But the combo of Tiger and Peyton Manning are favored at minus 200 and Mickelson and Brady are plus 175 according to sportsbetting.com. Peyton Manning must be a really good golfer because I was doing a little research on this and everything I read he is he's a member at Augusta National which makes a lot of sense but this guy must be able to really play now I thought maybe he wouldn't be as good because of the whole neck situation that he dealt with later in his career but apparently that doesn't phase the man at all because he's got memberships to all these nice golf courses and every website I looked at for this thing he was favored over Tom Brady in everything I mean everything so Peyton must be just a killer on the links well I don't know
1: necessarily that it's Peyton is so good or it's Tom is so bad I think Tom Brady's notoriously a very average to below golfer. But um, it's going to be fun, man. Which, by the way, do you think Peyton Manning is a member at all these places or do these places just like to announce that he's a member and like he doesn't have to pay the fees? It's, it's
0: It's probably the latter. Right. It, if you're a golf so awesome, course, right? yeah, it would be hey, awesome. Th- this is a great opportunity to football. remind
1: our friends in Tulsa that our offer to to go play uh, Southern Hills still stands.
0: <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. Now we need to follow up. If you want to take us <laughs> golfing at Southern Hills, we will entertain you. We'll do it. We'll be terrible, but we'll have fun. Guaranteed. Now, one interesting thing uh, about this little tournament that they're playing. On the fifth hole, they only get to use one club. I have no idea what club I would select. For some reason, I'm leaning towards like a five iron because I assume you got to get something off the tee a little bit. But, Ted, if you only can use one club in the bag, let's say it's a par four. I didn't look it up. I'm too lazy. I'm not going to lie. What club are you going with?
1: Um. The answer for me is probably a 7 iron, uh just like 10 cup whenever he pulls every club out of his bag and snaps it except for the 7 iron. That's probably what I would go for, maybe a 6 depending on how far how far it is. But um I'll tell you what's going to be cool about this is getting to see Tiger and Phil tee off like with whatever like say they choose a seven or something like that like because they can thin it on purpose and like blade it out there and just smash it so that's going to be really cool to watch them do that like it's really not even going to matter to those guys but you know Tom and Peyton are going to have to hit their nine iron 15 times to get it down there but which I got to say I am I'm a huge Tom Brady fan but, I mean, even bigger Tiger Woods fans. So, that trumps it. I'm pulling for for Tiger and Peyton Manning in
0: this deal. Yeah, that's, that's going to be interesting to see. You know there's some people in Boston that have loved Tom Brady for 20 years. <laughs> but you also know that a lot of golf fans, they love Tiger Woods. Do they love Tiger Woods more now that Tom Brady has moved on to Tampa I don't know I, I think there's going to be some people that are in some awkward rooting situations this weekend well, one interesting thing about the golf course Tiger Woods is a member there so he is familiar with the lay of the land and there are a couple of fun prop bets for this weekend how many side bets will be made during this event now you got to remember these four guys, they got a fuck ton of money. I mean, a lot.
1: <laughs> there's uh, well over a billion dollars between the four so of them. So
0: easily, the over under has been set at ten and a half for side bets that will be made. Like totally. That's kind of. I mean, there can be all kinds of side bets when you think about it. Like you could get to ten and a half through like five holes. If you, I mean, if there's putts, if there's You know, if guys coming out of the bunker, stuff like that, these guys will want to bet on anything.
1: I would imagine that Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson will have side bets on every single shot closest to the pin and, you know, all kinds of stuff. But I think the real action is going to be between Peyton and Tom Brady. I mean, Tom got the better of Peyton for a long time. This is Peyton's opportunity to Redemption. get back at him. Every side bet you can if ever imagine Peyton's going to be throwing his way. I would take the over on that 10 and a half.
0: Uh, are there any amounts of side bet? Is there, is there any amount of money that Peyton Manning can win off Tom Brady this weekend that will make him feel better about the whole Super Bowl rings difference between the two? I don't think there is, but it certainly won't make him feel worse to beat his ass in golf.
1: No, I mean, at the end of the day, bragging rights on the golf course and uh, a little a little cash in your in your pocket. What was it Jordan said in the last dance? Like, why? And someone's like, why are you playing here for $20? And he's like, I just wanted to know that I have your money in my pocket, no matter how much it is. It's kind of the same thing, I think, with, with Peyton and Tom on this deal. Never going to be able to catch him with the rings, but if he can have some of his money in his pocket, that's going to be ultimate fuel.
0: Yeah, and there there's some – really fun props uh, for that event. You can bet on what they're going to wear. You can bet on anything, Uh, birdies, bogeys, all of this stuff. But one of my favorite prop bets, because remember, Charles Barkley is on the call. I'm not sure how much walking he's going to be doing. I doubt any. But there is a prop bet of how many times he will say terrible. And I was shocked. Because the over under is two and a half. The over is the favorite at minus one fifty. I feel like you just gotta hammer that. He's gonna say terrible three times.
1: There's no there's no way he goes under two and a half. There's no it's like a it's it's like a filled pause for him. I mean, like whenever he's he always defaults back to terrible, no matter what's going on. He he might say it five
0: times in the opening three or four minutes. I, I can't imagine that he's going to say it two times. I, I, I just I saw that prop and I was like, oh my gosh! I, I need to fly to New Jersey really quick and <laughs> put some, put some money on that. Yeah, because you can't. Everyone knows you can't bet on sports in Oklahoma. It's you, you can't no, do that. Of course not. It. You can't. You just can't do it. But one other funny thing about Charles Barkley, he, he's going to play some golf because I saw something that said. $200,000 on the line for charity if Charles Barkley can go bogey or better on a hole. Now, what hole? Like- they, I, I think any hole, honestly. I think they could let him play the entire golf course. And if he goes bogey or better on it, $200,000 to a charity of his choice. He's got, I know the swing is bad, and I'm sure that they will play that. A million times, and you can bet on that as well. Believe me, saw the prop, but I just can't imagine he can go bogey or better. And I feel bad for Charity. Now he'll probably still end up giving the 200K. You, everyone knows how Charles right. Barkley rolls, but I, I just can't, I just can't imagine that happens, Ted.
1: Uh, no, not if they're playing the course in like, which I imagine it's going to be pretty tough condition. If Tiger and Phil are out there, I don't know, but I mean. They should study this swing in like a psychology class. It's the most fascinating thing I've ever seen in my life. I watched. Did you, did you watch that the Hank Haney project whenever he had bar? Yes, on? it was
0: un unbelievable. He, he's like scared of hitting the ball. It's yeah, like a phobia. Stops
1: like, it, it's the strangest thing, man. I'm telling you, they need to study it in a psychology class. I.
0: I can't believe he hasn't, and maybe he has, and we just don't know. But I can't believe he hasn't suffered some sort of like serious back injury doing stroke, that. Because I mean, just the the stop and start, and the herky and the jerk, it it just it, it looks miserable. It, it does, however, make all of us feel better about our golf swings. I mean, I'm not I'm not any good at all, but I know I'm better than Barkley. I know that, and that that makes me feel pretty good.
1: Yeah. Hey, I. I don't know if I'm better than Barkley or not, but I know I don't look like that whenever I swing a club. And that's really all that matters to me.
0: Yeah. He, <laughs> I, I may trade that swing for his bank account, but, you know, that's a completely yeah. different discussion. Uh, Ted, let's move on to our winners and losers of the week. Like a man, Toby Keith says, we got winners. We got losers. Who you got as your winner of the week?
1: I got to tell you. Um, this is a huge moment for me as my winner. I'm going with my son, Edward huge moment for a young man. We took the training wheels off. What? We took the training wheels off the bike and he rode it like a champion. It's, it was like he'd been riding it without training wheels for a year. I finally convinced him he was, you know, he was not into it. He, he was, Talking me out of it. No, I like training wheels. They're fun. I'd rather just keep them. So finally, I just took them off. I told him to start pedaling, and I pushed him off, and off he went. It was – I don't know. Maybe I enjoyed it more than he did, but as a dad, watching your son having that moment was just the coolest thing ever. I loved it.
0: I assume it's very similar to when I let – Lonnie and McKenna out at night and tell them both to go potty and they both do it in sync. And I'm like, yeah, I trained that. I did that. No, but that, that's awesome, man. Now I, I cannot relate. I cannot relate. I have no kids, but did he look scared at all? Because there is that moment where you realize, Oh, I better, I better figure this out because the only way I'm stopping maybe is me falling over.
1: Yeah, that was the uh that was the one thing. The we didn't really go over the stopping. You know, whenever you've got the training wheels on, you just stop pedaling and get off. But um I'll give it up to him. He learned it on the fly and did a good job. He's yet to crash. Now I know the big wreck's coming at some point. You know, he, he is getting maybe a little bit too confident for, for oh, himself. No. But you know he likes to he likes to talk to everyone and tell them to watch. And I'm like, dude, look where, Just keep your eyes forward, watch where you're going. So the big wreck is coming. It's
0: the big it, one. There's
1: always the the humbling moment whenever we think we've got it whipped, and uh, it puts us in our place. I,
0: I can see the skinned knee now, <laughs> the skinned palm. It's gonna be it's gonna be a learning experience for a Man Edward, but it's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. Well, that's that's exciting uh, now. Conversely, Ted, who you got for your loser of the week?
1: The loser of the week are all of the Pizzagate conspiracy theorists out there that say Michael Jordan did not have food poisoning from a pizza. He was in Las Vegas gambling and drinking and partying. Well, uh, a gentleman showed up, Craig Fite, says he's the one that cooked the pizza. He was the Bulls fan. He took the pizza over there, he and the delivery guy. He walked it up to the, the room. He asked if he could see Jordan. They opened the door. He did say there was cigar smoke absolutely everywhere. And there was Jordan sitting at the table playing cards and waved at him and said, thank you. It was 11 o'clock at night. So I don't know what happened as far as the food poisoning. I don't know what happened as far as the flu. I can't even say that he didn't have a hangover, but the theory was he was in Vegas, and it looks to me like that conspiracy theory has been shot down, Gabriel.
0: Ooh, tough, tough, tough day for the Jordan was hungover <laughs> from being in Vegas crew. Uh, that's... Hurts. You yeah, yeah, they, hate to see it. They've been hanging on that one
1: for 20-some years, I mean, you, you,
0: and you know... You know there's these guys that over the years, they've been like, I swear to God, I saw them. Not only did I see him, I partied with him. I was the one that was pouring the shots for Jordan in Vegas. He
1: rolled for two hours at the Bellagio on the
0: craps table. I was there. I won yeah. five grand. He he tipped me like a $100,000 because I, I had hot dice. I was rolling, baby. I mean <laughs> – All these guys that have told these stories over the year that have gotten more and more elaborate, and we all have those buddies, right? It starts here like, oh, yeah, I saw Michael Jordan. In Vegas the night before the flu game, to hey we were partying, the girls were all over us, we were popping champagne, smoking cigars, like it's escalated. He wanted
1: me to fly back with him to Utah to watch the game. He the asked,
0: day. he asked if I wanted to play in the game. I said I couldn't. I said, you he know, got I, this I, bad ankle. <laughs> but <laughs> I I do feel bad for some of those guys that have been telling that story for years, and all their buddies are like, the pizza guy said. He saw him in the room, so he wasn't in Vegas. Dan.
1: This is dead ringer. I swear he looked just like Jordan. Look, just swear. like
0: him. I swear. That's, <laughs> that's a tough scene for those boys today. But uh, for my winner of the week, it's easy. And I'm included in this group, Oklahoma City Thunder fans. Winner of the week. The facility is back open. The NBA comes out today. They say, "Hey, it's probably we're we're gonna establish some guidelines June 1st, probably NBA. All the players want to get back and play. It sounds like they can be playing as early as mid to late July." Uh, Shams comes out today and says that Disney World in Florida is the clear front runner for the NBA to resume their season now. They're still going to have to figure out what that season looks like. Are they going to finish out the entire season? Is it just going to be playoffs? We don't know, but a lot of positive momentum for the NBA season. So Oklahoma City Thunder fans have to be feeling great and just a little, a little extra to be excited about. If they do go to just a playoff format, the Oklahoma City Thunder would get the Utah Jazz. Now, if they play the season out, they still could get Utah in a playoff series in the first round. And Bojan Bogdanovic is out for the year with wrist surgery. So, if you get the Jazz in a playoff series, one of their six best players is out. So, everything went... So well for Oklahoma City Thunder fans this week, and I'm fired up. We won the week. we did what's, it. What's the deal like if you had injured guys, would they
1: be able to come back i mean i'm I'm guessing they would right i would
0: I would assume so, and who knows what's going on with a guy like andre robertson right that's I what mean, I was thinking
1: of I mean you know is he going to be able to be added back into the mix? I mean, I guess you'd say, yeah, it's just i don't know
0: if if he's ready to go, why not? I'm
1: down. Hey, I'm down uh, chip in the chairs, all the Thunder need, and especially if it's some type of shortened format, because we know if a series is going to go – if it's a seven-game series, almost all of the time the better team is going to end up winning the series over a seven-game. Like the more games you play, the better team's got a much better chance of winning. But if they shorten the thing, like if they go three-game series or something like that, dude, there's no telling what could happen.
0: Yeah, and uh, I think that gets a lot of Thunder fans, myself included, very excited. But uh, I really am just excited that it seems like this season is going to get finished out, and that that's the important part to me because the Thunder were so damn fun to watch. You know, Chris Paul seems like he had resurrected his career. Shea Gilgis Alexander was turning into a young star in the league, and then all of a sudden. Rudy Gobert's dumbass, strolls into Oklahoma City, and it all goes away. So I think everyone, all NBA fans, but certainly Oklahoma City Thunder fans, fired up by the news that came out this week.
1: One more thing. Um, I mean, don't you feel like home court advantage in the playoffs is like one of the biggest things, playing in your, your home gym? Yeah, from especially your
0: gym. if it's a place like Denver or Utah. And, right. You know, you've got I – mean, Altitude on your side.
1: That's a big equalizer uh, that they're all going to be playing in the same venue, I'm assuming, without fans, or at least whenever they start it without fans. So uh, that's another thing that that levels the playing field a little bit for these underdog teams that may have a little bit more of a shot this year.
0: Yeah, and also an interesting side note. uh, Remember that that Thunder Jazz game got canceled and it, it wasn't forfeited or anything like that. And the Jazz were going to have to play without Rudy Gobert. What happens if that game, not being played, ends up not getting the Thunder a tiebreaker and home court advantage in the playoffs? These are just things my mind think about. My mind thinks about this, but I'm just thinking out loud here. Now, for my loser of the week, this is uh, this is an interesting one. This is this is my favorite loser of the week we've done since we started this podcast. (laughs) Because the absurdity of it brings me great joy. It it just does. So we've seen, you know, leagues across the world get going again. Right? You've seen the, you know, the baseball in Taiwan. You know, the South Korean baseball. Well, South Korean soccer has gotten up and running. Now, no fans, so it's still a little interesting. But they're playing. And South Korea's FC Seoul – I hope I'm saying that right. FC Seoul has been fined a record 100 million Korean won, which equates to 82,000 American dollars, if my conversion is correct.
1: They need to change that – Like they need to change their denomination. If 100 million equals 82,000, don't you think you ought to change that? I I mean,
0: (laughs) I'm not familiar. I'm not going (laughs) to pretend I'm well versed in currency conversion. This is just what I read. So I hope that's right. But they were fined a record amount of money for the league for, quote, damaging the prestige and integrity of the league after using sex dolls instead of mannequins to fill empty seats during a match on Sunday. Yes, they ordered sex dolls off the internet, I'm assuming, or from some sort of provider. And the best part about it is fans watching the game were the ones that pointed out that those don't look like mannequins. Those look a lot like sex dolls, which brings me to another question. Who ratted themselves out that they know exactly what those sex dolls look like?
1: Uh, That's a good question. I don't know. And I'm not ratting myself out with this next statement either. Okay, let me just be real Just Just say
0: allegedly or something like that, and then it doesn't count.
1: I think those dolls are incredibly expensive. So how much money did they pay to fill a stadium or however many they bought instead of just buying plastic mannequins? Because I feel like we're talking an enormous amount of money they would have had to have spent.
0: Yeah, I I don't think I think they just filled like a little section. Um now I haven't got the exact number of sex dolls that they went with. Um that's a that's a good question I We may have to price that out. We we could. We we certainly will we'll get our research team on that. But the interesting you you mentioned the stadium, right? Because every good baseball team needs their stadium. Well, the Soul facilities corporation who owns the stadium is investigating this whole thing because the team is required to obtain permission from them to do any new advertising in the arena. So not only did they have sex dolls, uh, but the sex dolls were dressed kind of in team clothing. They had some advertising signs. One may or may not have been for some adult sites, but
1: <laughs> there's the, the answer to my question. The
0: facilities corporation has the power to kick the team out of the stadium that they play it. Wow. Let me
1: guess the president of the uh the Soul Facilities Corporation confiscated all the dolls personally.
0: Oh, oh no. no. We'll take those. We'll take those. Those those are coming with us now that oh, now they are used sex dolls. I wonder what is kind of, never mind. I'm
1: not corporation property. Yeah, I'm not. This
0: moment, I, I'm not going down that road of wondering how you price a used sex doll on the <laughs> internet. It, I, you know, I I don't know. It, it's an interesting question though. Now, honorable mention, loser of the week. Old OU fans. Now, I I'm not I'm not trying to be hateful or anything, but OU Athletics comes out, they announce it will transition to digital tickets only, which makes perfect sense with the coronavirus stuff going on. That way, hey, you can bring your ticket on your smartphone. They just scan it, you're good. You can transfer your tickets to people. It's easy, right? It's something that a lot of people have been doing for years now, but you do need a smartphone. Now, OU has said that they will accommodate those that are still living in a flip phone world, and also they will accommodate people whose phones die. There's, I, I think there's going to be some contingency plans, but Teddy, I feel like this is a direct attack on the olds. I, I, I really do. As our man, Eddie Radosovich would say, uh, the olds cannot be happy about this.
1: Well, well, let me just explain to you how exactly this is going to happen. Um, you've already got the metal detectors. You've already got the clear, clear bag rule that is slowing down entry into the stadium. Uh, there's going to be a guy messing with his glasses Well, now hang on, Darla, where do we, now? how do you get to the tickets? And everyone in line is going to be waiting on an old to find wherever the tickets are on his phone and it's going to be a total disaster. Mm. That's how it's going to go down.
0: Hopefully, hopefully it goes smoother than that. I I think OU's trying to do the smart thing, but. There's no doubt there are gonna be some there are gonna be some struggles.
1: Oh, there's gonna be some angry people. We already we got some angry uh, text messages and, and calls to our show today about it. But here's here's the thing. Anytime there's any amount of change, there's always pushback and it's always the worst thing in the world. But a year or two, sometimes three down the road it always works out for the better and it streams streamlines the process we'll just have to see how long it takes us to get to that streamlined process this time
0: yeah i think people will adjust especially the olds i hope eddie doesn't have that like trademarked or anything <laughs> we've already you, you and i we've already uh, worked worked through that once this week so <laughs> i don't know if you guys noticed but it now says with eichard and layman on the end of Oklahoma breakdown, uh, that wasn't just a, an addition that we wanted to make, but we're nice guys. So we, uh, what's the best word? We, we compromised. That's the best way to put it. We
1: compromised. compromised. accommodated. Yeah. Could we have just spelled Oklahoma wrong purposely and, and gotten by with it?
0: Probably. <laughs> Probably. Who Who knows? But, you know, we're nice guys. So we did, we did what we had to do. We did what, you know, it, we did what lawyers advised us to do. That's what we did. Um, let's finish this out like normal, Ted, and that is with everyone's favorite segment, keeping it local. I did have some people say that they love this segment. It's their favorite part of the show. So we're going to keep doing it. Now, this love is the part it. where we highlight what's going on in the great state of Oklahoma, and once again, I love when it's sports-related, and this one is uh, Cameron Jordan writes an article in The Oklahoman that says the OSSAA is holding a special board meeting Friday to discuss restarting high school sports, and they released a plan. They were going to hold on to it, but they released their three-phase plan, and June 1st through 28th, it sounds like there's going to be able to be strength and conditioning work. Now, there are protocols in place, right? Temperature checks, uh, some pretty strict rules about washing your hands and sanitizing facilities. Uh, These guys have to socially distance when they're going through the strength and conditioning work. And it sounds like masks are going to be required for coaches. And it says when guys are spotting, they'll have to wear a mask. So I don't know if the guys are going to wear masks the entire time. But seems reasonable to me. You're 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 a high school kid. June first, you're. It sounds like you're able to get back in the weight room, Ted. That's phase one. Sign me up. I I think this is great. I I love it. I get get the kids back, you
1: know, um, together and socializing and building some team camaraderie. And you know, let's be honest too. Not all home environments are the same, and a lot of kids in not just high school. Uh, sports but also college sports you know, so the home isn't always the best place and right. being able to go and work out and be around your teammates and be around your coaches i mean these coaches are mentors and father figures to kids all across the country so being able to to go and do that i think is fantastic and i think it's going to be great for these kids here's the other interesting thing and i hate to go all the way back to what we we talked about earlier but i mean I'm just envisioning a scenario where every high school in the state is in off-season conditioning on June 1. All the other Power Five conferences are in off-season conditioning June 1, and the University of Oklahoma is not on Hmm. June 1.
0: That would be rather interesting. Um, So, If that happens, no one will talk about it. (laughs) <laughs> it it's fine it'll it'll just'll it'll blow right over it'll be fine it'll be there It won't be an issue at all, but yeah and that that's certainly something interesting to think about and we'll see what the leadership at o u decides to do first got to see what Bob Bowlsby and the big twelve and and the presidents in the big twelve decide uh, I don't even think there's a date on the vote yet. Uh, I'm sure it's coming yeah. soon though but I haven't seen anything. Other, yeah. The
1: only vote I know of is the SEC. I haven't heard anything on the Big 10, Pac-12, ACC. I'm sure
0: I'm sure the MAC is getting a vote together soon. <laughs> well, here's the thing, honestly, I imagine
1: that no one is really like they're probably positioned to where as soon as the SEC like if it passes then it's all going to be like oh, okay and it's done, you know. I feel like it'll be like a wave of everyone agreeing to the same thing at that point.
0: Yeah, so, so that strength and conditioning scenario for the OSSAA, uh, that's phase one. Phase two is June 29th to July 31st, and that's where you, know, you can start doing some more things. Non-contact football is allowed. So uh, I believe that means just helmets, no pads, no pants, no yes. contact. Is this you can their, use dummies, though.
1: Is this their way of giving them their spring back, spring football? I
0: think so because that okay. that started my when I was in high school. You could get those spring practices in, and you you could never wear pads, but they 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 were really beneficial. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that, especially, you know, high school is completely different. You got kids that are going through puberty, finally, you know, and all kinds of kids are growing into their bodies, and you got different classes you're trying to like you said develop that have, camaraderie
1: in in a in a fall camp you know they may have been talked into finally playing football by some friends and it's the first time they've ever put pads on and they're going out there to a training camp uh if you can do this and get uh, just a little bit of a, a leg up and try to understand a little bit as to what's going on out there it's it helps yeah a lot. and
0: and i think there is a lot of people that say well football without pads isn't football and that's definitely true but Just going through the movements and learning the concepts and being out there and just experiencing it, uh, that's huge for high school football players. It's huge. Uh, One interesting thing in that phase two from the OSSA is July 15th, unrestricted practice starts for the following sports. Band, cross country, baseball fast-pitch softball, and volleyball. I did not know band was a sport. I'm not going to lie. I did not know that that is considered a sport. Now, I respect the hell out of people in the marching band because they do something that I can't do, and it's not easy. I did not know that that the OSSAA governed band activities. I was not aware of that. I learned something.
1: I'm sure they're thrilled. They get to uh, be in their band uniforms on July fifteenth uh, oh. to go outside and practice marching band. It's Woo-hoo. gonna be. Ex-
0: I assume it's gonna be exactly like Drumline. Polyester. It's just. It's. It's gonna be ruthless. Now, phase three of the OSSAA's plan. It just kind of leaves a vague August first date. I, I think. You know, the sports band, cross-country, baseball, fast pitch, softball, and volleyball, they can keep rolling. But I'm kind of understanding August 1st is maybe a reassess date when it comes to high school football in the state of Oklahoma, maybe see see where things are at, and then get training camp going. But I I really was a little confused by phase three.
1: Probably – it's probably like you're talking about, as long as there haven't been any setbacks – new waves of the virus or um, high school teams that are playing sports, having, uh, you know, hot spots where they're, they're, they're having breakouts of infections, but probably okay them to, to start your, your typical fall fall camp for, for the season. Yeah. So I think, it's, it's, I mean, it sounds like a good plan to me.
0: Yep. It's exciting. I, I think the phases make sense. Uh, getting you, kids back involved in athletics. I think it's huge. It's huge. And, I won't lie. I was worried about high school football the most. Um, I wasn't worried about the NFL. I was a little worried about about college football. But there's been a ton of positive momentum for college football. And now, with this going on in high school football, ask anyone that has played in high school, in college, and in the NFL. High school football is the absolute best. So I'm glad that we got this positivity around high school football in Oklahoma, Ted.
1: Are you you um, not shocked? I guess that's not the right term, but are you surprised? There's no testing protocol like that. See, like a, I mean, I would I would think that's why I was so
0: worried. Yeah, that's why I was so worried about high school football because you knew that these schools, uh, these these school systems, they weren't going to be able to provide the testing necessary. You know, they're, they're not going to be able to implement a complicated testing system like these colleges will, um, like the NFL will. That That's why I was so worried about high school football. But, yeah, I don't know. Once again, it's the same question as for college. What what happens to a high school football team when one of these kids starts showing symptoms? I I don't know. I don't know. Do you have to shut everything down? Maybe in this case you do, which – would be really unfortunate, but yeah, I, I didn't expect there to be any sort of testing guidelines just because I, I don't think it's financially feasible for these schools.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I don't know. I think that's, I think that's interesting. You know, I, I think the, I think the school, this is just a guess by me, but you know, you can get tested anywhere right now. You have drive-through testing right and it's free you drive in you get swabbed now if you're an independent organization and you want to have your own testing process you have to go through a like a, a third party type of lab to do that and that costs money but i i think like for a school i would imagine they wouldn't have to do that I imagine there would be some type of of government connection to where maybe they test these kids for free, but I don't know. That's just a guess for
0: me. Yeah, no, that's, that's that's a really interesting point. And then, then the question becomes, okay, well, what about the private schools here in the state of Oklahoma? Because, you know, I only care about the private schools. Every, everyone knows that. Come on. Bishop McGinnis forever. Everyone, everyone knows that, but I'm just excited uh, because I I really was, I I was worried about high school football here in Oklahoma. And and the fact that these kids are going to be able to, Get back and lift with their teammates while being safe about it, of course, and socially distant, dins, distancing, and doing all the right stuff. Then, hey, uh, I'm all for it. But we'll, we'll get to see how some it,
1: plates clanking again and some dungey, grungy, nasty. Hell yeah, games.
0: brother! Football. Crank up the Slayer! <laughs> now uh, we got a couple Twitter questions. From some listeners, Ted, and the first one is pretty interesting. This comes from Bobby Locklear, at B underscore Locklear 8. He says, if y'all wouldn't have went to OU, where would you have ended up?
1: I don't know. I, I was not a highly recruited kid. Um, I went to camp at OU. And they offered me, and I said, yes, where do I sign before you change your mind? Uh, I was scheduled that summer to go. I was going to camp at OU. I left directly after OU to go to camp at Nebraska. And right after Nebraska, I was going to camp at Oklahoma State. So I had three weeks of camps right in a row. And uh, I went to OU, they offered me, and I canceled my other camp trips. So, uh, probably, you know, had camp gone well, Nebraska, Oklahoma State, I did go to an Arkansas team camp, and I think they were going to offer me there, but I uh, I left Houston Nut hanging and went and got on the, the team bus with my teammates and left. Wait, so, wait,
0: wait. You, you gave Houston Nut blue balls?
1: uh i guess so to speak technically speaking technically speaking i was like we had like a combine camp we went to and i had already signed up to go with my team so i just went and um they had me at running back the whole the whole camp and i i ran really well i uh did well on bench press and stuff like you that. You could
0: have been, or you wouldn't have been the butt kiss and Ben You could have been a running back and you chose linebacker. You are crazy.
1: I could have been the third string white running back at Arkansas. No. So the, at, after the camp, they the running back coach was telling me to go up to Houston Nuts office to talk to him. And I said, okay. And Then I just walked over and told my coach what they wanted me to do. And he's like, okay, well, we'll wait on you. And I was like, I don't want everyone waiting on me. So I just got on the bus and left and never went up to the office. Oops. (laughs) So so it probably would have been uh, Nebraska, Oklahoma State, or Arkansas, I guess. Uh,
0: Mine's mine's probably pretty easy. Uh, I thought that Jim Harbaugh was going to get out of Stanford pretty soon. By the way, what a weird guy. Uh, Not the most charming recruiter on planet earth, that old Jim Harbaugh. I, I know that surprised no one. Right. I'll, I'll tell those stories later down the line, but I, I probably would have ended up in Notre Dame. Uh, I was very intrigued, uh, you know, by the history of the program, you know, there, there was the Catholic factor, you know, coming from Bishop McGinnis and, and being a Catholic. And then there was the education component. So I think if I wouldn't have gotten that OU offer, even though it came in a little late, I, I, my feelings were a little hurt. It was fine. It was fine. I was just right there in Oklahoma City, right down the damn street. Hey, but, guys.
1: Hey. Hey, Hello. over here.
0: Um, but, yeah, I, I think I would have ended up being a Golden Domer for sure. Um, because been it cool. would have been, been down to Notre Dame and Stanford. I think I, think I probably would have gone with Notre Dame. I think I felt more comfortable there uh, after visiting both. So – That's an easy one for me. I definitely think it would have been Notre Dame. Now, the next question comes from Joshua Drew on Twitter, at J underscore Drew 405. He says, if you and Teddy had a face-off for a food challenge, who can eat the most, with any food of your choosing, what would you choose to eat and who would win? Easy. I feel, first of all, we both eat a ridiculous amount of food. We do. We do. Um, you would win. I mean, this is a conversation. I would definitely win. But I would choose uh, chips and queso from a Mexican restaurant <laughs> because ever since I was a kid, like, you know how people, whether it's Tara Mars and Norman or a, a place like Ted's here in Oklahoma City, you know how people are like, oh, I ate too many chips, queso, and salsa. I can't even eat my entree. That I have happened? said something like that. I've said that. Sentence zero times in my life zero. So that has never been an issue. You so i with chips and, and you queso take the, for sure.
1: You take the two, the first two cheese uh, quesos they give you and just slug them like shots. So that's how you get started. <laughs>
0: you you say that, but and this is this my parents told me this story, so I, I'm assuming it's true. When I was a kid, because this Ted's here in Oklahoma City, uh, just north of 63rd in May. They, We used to go there all the time. It was right down the street from our house. And allegedly, when I was a little kid, I would just drink the cups of queso. I wouldn't order anything else. I would just drink queso as my dinner, which, looking back on it, probably was destined to be an offensive lineman if my parents saw that at a young age. Well,
1: let me say this. If we're going with a volume contest, there's no doubt – You would beat me. It doesn't matter the food. It doesn't matter. I mean, you would beat me in a volume contest. Now, if we're going a speed contest, I have a chance. And like if we did the first to finish 20 hot wings, I'd have a chance because I I could mow a basket of 20 hot wings like it's nothing. And I'd have an I'd have a chance with
0: that. I so could you're saying you're saying speed holly. would be your advantage. Now, yeah. Okay. Now I eat pretty quick, but you you seem very confident with the. I mean, you used the word mo when it came to wings. So I've got
1: I'll give a good we, I've got a good wing technique. I'm no, I know you do too. Right? And don't we all? I'm not. I'm not confident, but I'm, I'm much more confident in a speed contest than a volume contest. That's all I'm saying. Well, I still, You'd still be the massive favorite.
0: That's, that's fair. That's fair. But we'll never know because I'm making it perfectly clear. We're never doing this. When we go eat together, it, it's a bloodbath, but we want to enjoy ourselves. All right, Ted. Episode nine in the in books. The books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop the morning of Memorial Day. So, yes, Monday morning. Uh, Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on Sports Talk 1400. You can hear me on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio, channel 375. I hope all of you have a great holiday weekend. Please, 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 please don't do anything stupid at the lake. Until next time, we appreciate y'all for listening and do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.
1: one. Wow.